Welcome to the Living Alive Podcast. I'm Autumn Shields, a Master Connect coach, speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur, and most importantly, your hostess here to help you live your life alive. See, I believe we all have the ability to feel and be guided by life's nudges to live on purpose. So I'm inviting you to take this journey with me. Whether you were here just wanting to dip your toe in the water and see what this is all about, or maybe you were ready to dive deep. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. On this show, you'll hear powerful life-changing stories from thought leaders of all walks of life that are stirring things up. We will guide you on living your life fully alive, how to identify the nudges, and why living a healthy lifestyle actually makes a difference. So get ready to be inspired, challenged, and connected because it's your time to make a splash. Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a special guest for you today. He is a former officer in the Canadian Armed Forces. Now he's an entrepreneur, visionary, innovator, researcher, speaker, and now a two-time TEDx presenter. So let's all take a deep breath and welcome and dive right in with Earl Hall. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. It is so great having you. I know we've connected recently. How we met was, I think it's been at least five or six years ago, correct? Oh, yes, it was. It was with uh, one of my favorite ladies, uh, Miss Hogan. We met on Maui in a writing workshop, and um, it's just been so nice to follow your journey over the last several years. You have done and completed two TED Talks one in French in Canada and one in English, so I could understand that one most recently. So congratulations on that. Thanks so much. I cannot wait to dive into the subject matter of both of those TED Talks, and I'm excited for our audience to be able to find those. You can find those in the show notes because they're both fascinating. So um, the first one was really about asking the questions about can we be happy? Is our brain wired to be able to be happy? And then your most recent one about fear. And because this podcast is about helping other people live their best life and live their life fully alive and really learn how to tune in those nudges, I would like to step back way before those TED Talks um, because you're such a student of life and not only are you helping so many people really, what I believe, understand these issues because of your research and because of your experience, what's great is just kind of seeing where you've come from. You know, you're a man's man, you're a tech guy, you're an entrepreneur, you're an officer in the Canadian Armed Forces, and you just have this hunger for life to better yourself and to better humanity and everybody that you're around. So can you kind of take us back from where you were that guy's guy, an entrepreneur, and thriving in life, and then had that hunger to live your life alive and start feeling that inner nudge. You know, we've had great conversations about what that looked like for you and where it's brought you in your life. Well, everybody has their story of the strife, of the trauma they've gone through. I have mine. It's, it's really formed who I've become as a person, but I've had some interesting events in my life that, um, obliged me. Uh, there's a word that I love that you use. That's really significant. It's the word nudge. 
I was getting nudges from a very early age, but being a testosterone-driven Neanderthal, I wasn't listening to them. I had a great 10 years in the Army, did a lot of great things, saw a lot of really crazy stuff. But when I went into the civilian world and I founded a family and started to see great success in the civilian world according to civilian principles, three things started to emerge. One, the more I was successful, the more I felt empty inside. Uh, you can only buy so many cars, so many houses, so many boats uh, for the people that buy planes, islands. Uh, some people are going to want to buy planets in the future, whatever. The material world can only offer you so much empty, sugar-filled candy to make you feel like you're significant before you realize you're nothing. Number two, I had to sit down with my son when he was six years old and explain to him that for the rest of his life, he would be living in two houses because his parents would be living in two houses. Uh, that was really the lowest point of my entire life. And number three, not too long following that, is sitting down with my doctor at that time when I lived in Canada and he's saying, well, Earl, you've got about five or six million miles in an airplane on you and your body. Uh, the reason why you have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, the reason why you're borderline diabetes and you're overweight and everything else is just your body is worn out. It wants to give up. So those three steps in that order caused me to sit down and redefine what the word success was. And then when I, the word success is actually in the mirror, the word happiness, because Happiness is, you can't be happy without being successful and you can't be successful without being happy because both are aligned inside of your life's purpose and your life's mission with an S at the end, your life's missions. So that's the reason uh, I wanted to fix what I broke inside of my son. So I went after, first of all, what is happiness to see how it was inside of the brain, how it worked if I could chemically or physically or mentally create happiness. And it all just started to build off from there and mentors just came out of the woodwork to teach me uh, science, to teach me uh, the mysteries, to teach me so many things. And it's been so far now, I think about a 12 year journey. And I honestly, I'm just getting started, I think. Isn't it awesome when the student is ready, the teachers appear, the mentors just come out of the woodwork and they're there for you. They're always there waiting for us. It's just we have to open up our eyes a little bit more to be able to see beyond our own fog. Yes. Stepping back on those three things. So this was about 12 years ago for you. Yep. Out of that, I love in, in your TED Talk, and I can't wait for the audience to listen to these, the, the scariest thing you said that you've ever stepped into was just wanting to be yourself and being okay with just being yourself. And I think that's on our whole self, not just part of ourself, but our whole self, all the different parts. And you have so many different parts of you, what I call like Earlness. I always say that with people's names, like all of you, as when you think about all the different parts from being an officer, from being an entrepreneur, from being an innovator, a speaker, a researcher, 
and then you're still a student of life, bringing all of that to the table and being your true self enough to have to like walk through and stand on that red circle um, to do a TED talk about fear and step into that fear of bringing all of you to this world. So from all of these pieces of you and you're stepping forward, first of all, it might've been that material world and then the identity of a husband and a father, and then a health crisis. When all of that starts breaking, how did you start figuring out that you needed to bring all of you to this world, all of you to the table? Because I think it's so easy for us to just piece parts of us out in different arenas of life. We just can piece ourselves out and then hide what we don't want to bring out. Well, the, re- the answer to that is not fun because I have to segment probably the invisible minority of idiots uh, on the planet. Um, I have the utmost respect for women. It is the most amazing creature race from an energy, from a frequency point of view that was ever created in the universe. Then you have the homosexuals, male and female, that go through an excruciating rebirth to have to announce this stuff to their families, their friends, thrown out of their social circles, thrown out of everything just to choose themselves. But then you have us idiots sitting down in the corner, the heterosexual males. Uh, We're testosterone based. We have to be tough. We're not allowed to feel fear. We're not allowed to cry. There's a long list of human attributes that men have taken off the list because if we be them, we don't think the other men will think we're a man. And that really comes from the herd theory that, that shows that if we don't fit in within the norm of the group, we're afraid we're going to be excluded or expelled from the group. So, I'm really coming from the minority of idiots, I call us, that have everything against us to succeed as a whole, a W-H-O-L-E person. Because um, the more that I dug into science, and I'm really, really deep into math, physics, chemistry, biology, astronomy, quantumness of stuff, the more you get into what I'd like to call level three of science, It is nothing but holistic theory. There is nothing more spiritual on this planet than science if you want to dig into it deep enough. So I had to be on death's door many, many times to surrender to the fact that I had to suck up to the fear of being judged by my peers, by my board of directors, by shareholders, by clients, by the long list of people, I'm absolutely scared to death for them to see that I'm dipping in, well, a lot more than dipping, I'm deeply entrenched into the holistic world because level one and level two of science are limited to formulas that are derived from spirituality. And that's the cool thing about science. As soon as you get into the origin of science, it's all spirituality. Isn't an awesome area to study it? Yeah, I, I cannot really do level one or two. I just <laughs> try to jump to three and trust people like you that dive in deep to give me the cliff notes and to um, you know, stick it in the 15 minutes in a TED Talk. I appreciate all of the work you do to share well, with people like me. 
and once again, I, I'm just in awe when I'm in a course and I'm around the ladies of how they can align from the physical to the mental to the spiritual side. And I'm looking around at the men that are around me and we're all looking at each other going, uh, how do we do this? That's awesome. But how, it's so funny because when you talk about fear and sharing yourself and worrying about what everybody thinks of you, to me, it's just silly because I'm around you. You're confident. You're amazing. Like to me, I would just not think that people would judge you in any sense, that they would just accept the whole you because of your, what you're bringing to the table. But it, just like you said, it's the segments. But why do you think so many of us feel like I am the only one that feels like this? Because when you talk about it, I think, oh my gosh, I feel like that too. And then the next yeah. person would say, well, I feel like that too. But we think we're the one that we're the only one that's out of the herd. So why, why do so many of us feel that way? And that is such a brilliant question that I don't think people are asking themselves. Because once again, if you get down into the bottom of human chemistry, which is inside of our stomach brain, the herd theory has programmed the human species for, I don't know, maybe, uh, I'm going to guess it's about 50,000 years because I know there's numbers way beyond that, but I'm trying to, I'm going to ratchet back to uh, when the, about 50,000 years ago, our stomach brain has been deeply programmed to not piss off the herd because if we do, we're going to be excluded and we're going to be eaten by some other animal. So there is a very deep epigenetic root for fear of being unique. And that's the first thing we have to understand. The fear of being ourselves is the most normal feeling we can ever have. It is not normal to love ourselves because the animal is not built to feel love. The animal is built to feel fear or go to sleep and rest. So because 93% of our entire being is animal, 93% of us is in constant fear of being judged. So the human, the journey to becoming human is really about learning to live with the fear and knowing that it's normal and knowing that the fear is actually the way the animal brain is expressing love for our survival. So I'm in a constant state of fear. Uh, I just posted on Facebook, I think yesterday, and I was scared to death when I posted because it was so vulnerable because vulnerability and authenticity, which are my two favorite words, are the perfect definition of self-love. When you're vulnerable, when you're authentic, you're actually showing the whole world that you love yourself more than everybody else, which is the goal, because you're supposed to share your love and not eat other people's love. When you're vulnerable and when you're authentic, you're telling the entire planet that you love yourself. I but, love that because the, but the, to get there, it's such a scary process of being seen because when you're being seen, you're hitting the two other scary words. It's self-worth and self-esteem. And those two things come out of the animal body. So to be authentic and to be vulnerable, 
you really have to work hard on saying to yourself, I'm worthy and I'm worth this because you don't learn self-esteem and you don't learn self-worthiness. You make the decision. It's a decision. It's not a process. I love those two words. And I love what you said that the, you know, the world needs all of us and that love, but really I think those two words being authentic being vulnerable, it is such a scary thing. And we hear those words and we try to step into that. And I really feel like, okay, so you can step in part of you into this group or this herd, but then for you to like go into this other herd, maybe, maybe this herd is more of the, the thinkers or the scientists or the researchers, and you can be vulnerable in that group or that herd. And then for you to go and do a yoga class or to, to say, I'm going to write a book about this thing over here. It's like, we have to segment because that herd would think you're weird, or this herd might think you're weird, but we have, we want to live in these different places. So how have you, how one step of like becoming vulnerable and bringing yourself and bringing all of you to this, is there tools that have you, you've used along the way in your mind that you tell yourself like, okay, I'm going to feel the fear, but I'm going to do this anyway. Like something as simple as, you know, talking science is awesome, but just like you said, taking it down to an everyday thing when you went to post on Facebook and you went to hit the button post, so many of us feel like that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to post this healthy recipe and then I'm going to post something about um, inspiration and then I'm going to post something about one of the kids and then I'm going to post like, and we're analyzing what the whole world is thinking about us in social media and in life. But it, it's taking all that research that you've done and all the work that you've done. And you're still, to me, what you posted was to you is a huge deal because it's vulnerable and it's something that, you know, you're stepping into in a holistic approach of health and you just hit that button and that fear comes up and that judgment. So what, is there any tools like, okay, I'm going to feel this fear and I'm going to do it anyway. And I love your Ted talk that you go, you know, you dive deep into the word freeze. So is that a tool that you use? And can you explain like what allowed you to become vulnerable yesterday and actually just hit the button to post it? That is the million dollar question. The thing that a lot of my friends don't want to listen to is that to understand when we look down at our legs and our arms and all of these things that are the vehicle that gets us around during the day, it's a bioelectromagnetic field. Um, the flesh, the bones, the blood, the muscles, the fat, everything. It's a vibrational field. What we, how we breathe, what we drink, and how we eat determines the quality of the vibration. So fear will consume a person that is eating sugar, that is eating too much animal products, that is drowning themselves in wine or milk products, and that does not know how to breathe. So first of all, to even have a chance to hear who you are, to hear what is your mission, and to have the courage to be vulnerable like I did yesterday, you need a clean body. Uh, if you want to take a car out on a racetrack and the car has never had the oil changed, the, the air filter is plugged up and like you've got 30 things wrong with it, by the time the green light comes on to start the race, the car is dead. So self-love is all about making the decision sometime in your life to treat your car 
like a like your body like a race car the finer tuned the body is the more the mastery of fear gets easier and easier and easier yesterday before yesterday before i posted on facebook i had this lump in my throat and i had this sick feeling in my stomach so i just put my hands on my stomach and i started to breathe i knew why i had it in my stomach but i was going why is i have a lump in my throat and all of a sudden the answer came directly out of my heart saying earl it's because you're scared to speak your truth and i I just started to laugh because i heard the answer to my question and i kept breathing and i kept centering and i said is this post to show the example is it egotistical why am i doing this post and the answer came back to me is because people need to see the real me and i just immediately without thinking hit post awesome but to be able to hear your body yes it needs to be able to vibrate so from number one asking the questions right we just sometimes we're not even asking ourselves any questions we're not being intentional we're not asking ourselves intention but to ask it and then to be able to actually receive the answer, because I think what happens, well, at least in my brain is all I do is I think about that fear thing. Let's say I'm worried about what that one person will think. That is the only thing my brain is. And it just goes around and around and around. So to stop and to be able to ask the question, like, why do I believe that this person, or why am I worried about this person? Or if this person even cares, whatever, like whatever question, but to be able to sit and wait for that answer and to be able to hear it, so I can deal with that fear and be and step into being more authentic and step into being vulnerable and step into sharing myself with the whole world. Rather, it's one little post about something where I'm feeling vulnerable, or maybe it's a huge deal. Maybe it's, it's a book that I'm thinking about writing, or maybe it's a song, or maybe it's a dance, whatever it is that, you know, I think sometimes we're fearful of. That's well, an the, awesome the, tool. That's an awesome example. The nudges that you speak so well to we get them so many times a day from from micro nudges to macro nudges and when you started using the word nudges in your book when it came out i'm going to say it's two years ago now but for me time is a little bit strange somewhere around there mine too um so hmm, nudges what's a nudge and then i just breathed and i automatically felt a nudge and what does and that feel like to you when people are like, what is a nudge? Like, you know, is it the is nudge it for me being is it, is it, the nudge for me being testosterone based is always fear. It comes from a place where I doubt myself. And that's the cool thing for me about your nudges is that the nudge is always sticking its finger in the place where the fear is hiding. Yes. I love that, that you, you said in one of your, in your TED talk, you said that you can run from fear, but it's always waiting at the destination. <laughs> With interest to pay. Yes. So the, the nudge, I feel it as fear. And then I just drop into my regular breathing technique, which is through the nose so that the cartilage in the nose vibrates and underneath the, the pineal gland and uh, behind the, the pituitary gland, all of that vibrates with the cartilage in that area. And it really calms down the brain if you just do normal rhythmic breathing. And I go, what are you trying to tell me? 
Why are you nudging me? And I just breathe through it. And I've learned over the last couple of years to listen more and more to myself. Because if I can get outside of sugar, if I can get outside of being stuck up with uh, mucus and all kinds of stuff that we have in the common food that most of us eat, and if you can get half clean in your brain and you breathe, the answer will jump right out at you and you won't have to wait for the nudge to be a shovel in the face like I've had to wait many times. Yes, and it seems like, especially in society and especially in America, I know Canada is a little bit different where you're from, but it just seems like there's always a solution that has to be hard. It doesn't seem like we can just cleanse our body, eat healthier. I'm, I mean, I'm part of a health and wellness company, so it is part of our mission to help people flourish. And so we talk about that a lot and we are learning more and more about the mind and gut connection and, and cleaning up our pH and, and eliminating, inf, you know, foods that cause food and drinks that cause inflammation. So we think about it from a health perspective, like, okay, when I go to the doctor, like I did this morning, I get my blood work done on my checkup. So I understand that, but we're learning so much more about that heart mind connection and body mind connection. And that actually it can raise, you know, our, our vibration and to hear these things is I, we always think that we have to do this hard work, like this, this work of understanding more or being healthier, being more attuned or conscious has to be a lot of hard work. And I find that a lot of it is just these little tiny tools and techniques that you have found for yourself and found through research and that you're sharing with the world right now that it sometimes can be these really simple things that we can incorporate and it, it's life-changing. See, your point once again is so on point. The animal brain, cortisol to be very precise, has programmed the brain over gazillions of years that if it's not hard, it's not worth it. Yes. It's the way I was brought up from an Irish background is that if you don't do a hard day's work, you're not a good man. And I am hard coded in my DNA to work 18 hours a day yes. and to feel guilty if I take a day off. Whereas if you can look, if, if I was to equate the human body to one beautiful instrument, it would be a harp. If, if you've ever had the extreme privilege of sitting in the same room as someone who's playing a harp, it is the most elegant, graceful, subtle thing I have ever seen in music. And it makes the most beautiful music. Why? You cannot beat on a harp like you would beat on an acoustic guitar drunk around a campfire. Yes. But that's the way the human body is the human body responds much more gracefully to subtle energy subtle movement and subtle change and even if someone doesn't want to give up their friday night bottle of wine and their friday night 32 ounce steak it's not really a big deal if they learn to breathe that takes away 80 percent of the problems starting right off because you can learn to hear yourself. Once you learn to hear yourself, you'll know when the stake is compensating that you want to compensate for an emotion A, B, or C. 
you'll know when to choose to have a soda pop or a liter of water. And the choices that you're making are going to become conscious instead of animal. Because somebody who runs out to eat a piece of chocolate cake because they just had bad news is not in control of their animal. Their animal is in control of them. Yes, I want they're to not breathing, they're not thinking, they're just looking for sugar to change the sine curve of the brain waves that they're feeling emotionally. Whereas if you sit down and you consciously breathe and you say, I would really love to enjoy a piece of chocolate cake right now and you go out and have that piece of cake, it will probably be the most, be the most delicious piece of cake in your entire life because you're consciously feeding your soul. Yes, it's such a great way to interact with food and drink and or exercise or just the things that we get told all the time. Don't do that. Diet with that. Eliminate that. And it's such a great conscious way of interacting with food. I learned a tool several years ago to ask my body. Like, I love French fries. So I'll think, oh, I want those French fries. And once in a while, I'll just ask my body, do you want those French fries? Sometimes it's my body just says no, which is weird because I think I want it. And so, but there's other times where I'll go to grab food that I know is what I would consider unhealthy. And for whatever reason, my body needs it. Maybe it does need that sugar or that salt or whatever it is. It's okay. And it so needs it. That's, that's so important. It needs it. So I, I'm, I yep. just give into that and I, I'm consciously paying attention to why it is amazing that these little tiny tidbits with all the research you've done, it's not that there's a magic pill that there's only one thing to do, but it's these little tiny things like to breathe. And, you know, when we say, okay, we're getting angry and, you know, you need to count to 10. Okay. then also breathe, you know, these little tiny things that we learn in our life, but it makes such a significant difference. So now that you're feeling the nudges in your life and learning to step in to being more of an authentic, vulnerable self, what is the, been the benefits that you've seen on the other side of this journey of 12 years. And just like you said, you feel like you're just getting started, but as you started incorporating and trial and error with some of these tools, things that worked for you, things that haven't, um, as these mentors have shown up in your own life and you've tried different practices, now that you're incorporating and learning to make yourself whole and bring your whole self to the table, um, and to the world, what are these different little segmented parts of you now that everything's coming together and that you're sharing yourself with the world, the real you, the whole you, what is life like on the other side of this? Worrying about material things, a relationship in and in divorce, health issues. Where, where are you now in business and in life and in relationships? Well, probably the first thing I could add, because that's, it's pretty tight what you just said. The first thing that I could add is that the more you're in tune with your body, the more everything that happens to you is happening for you. So there, there's a lot of things like last year, I almost died three times. And I was, I, you can just feel that you're being guided. And that's the number one thing. The universe always has your back if you take the time to have your own back. So the benefits that I've seen of learning to breathe, learning to eat, learning to drink, and starting to, I started to listen to myself. And benefit number one is my, my day job, my business, my tech company 
just started to go in the right direction all on its own. I started attracting crazy amazing employees, team members to work with. And number three is my, my personal life, my son, everything just starts to fall into place. And you start to realize that the things that fade away, that go away, that fall away, that even break away, they're breaking away for your benefit. And of course, in the beginning, our ego wants to go, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to change. Once again, that's just herd theory. It's the animal brain saying, if change comes in, it's new. And if it's new, you might get eaten up by the line out in the field. The fear factor is always there. But when you're in tune with yourself, it gives you the space to realize that everything is moving to bring you closer and closer to loving yourself. And I, there's not one part of my entire life that I haven't seen benefit in from my health to my weight, to my wellness. Uh, my business is amazing. And I've even attracted on the holistic side, a couple of really crazy, cool, amazing clients, because I can't do that many clients uh, at a time. But the ones that are coming in, we've been able to do quantum leaps together. That just brings me to tears of gratitude to see how fast people can evolve. Yes. Again, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be eight, 10 hour days. You have to be open. I think the most important thing is to just be open. You know, we sit in this world with our arms crossed trying to prove that we're right or that this position is important or that for whatever reason where our arms are crossed and our legs are crossed and just to be open to just what if the idea of you is okay? What if all of you is okay? And what if there's so many people out there just like you said that are for you and and going to help you along your journey of love and to love others? just to that, to, to step into that openness. Look what's come your way. There was a lady on the weekend in my, uh, in my science of sound healing training course. Yes. Uh, that on day three, just started to cry and said, I did not know I was allowed to ask myself that question. And of course, where I am in my life now, I was just in shock. But then I realized that 99% of us are just scared to ask the question. Just ask the question. Just ask ourselves the question. Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I eating? Like you said, am I eating the right thing? Your body may say, go get extra French fries. Well, thank you very much. Yes. But as you, as you just said, there's so many people that are just not asking themselves the questions that are all about self-care, self-love, self-preservation, self-evolution. It's all about self. We have to build our own light to be able to shine it bright to guide others. Yes. And I feel a responsibility to that. Once I felt like I stepped into that light and started growing that and opening and healing, I feel like there's a responsibility to that. It's massive. And that's something that I was told in one of my last major training uh, retreats. Um, the, the mentor just looked at me and goes, now that you know, you know the responsibility. And I went, oh, 
I know. What we know is there to spread light. Yes. And that's why this, that's the intent of this entire show of, I want to bring people into the space that can share their own light and to guide other people on their path. And that I I feel a huge responsibility to that. And definitely the show is part of that responsibility of just saying it's so worth it because I, you know, as kids, we ask questions at least every three minutes. I mean, the questions just don't stop from kids. And then somehow we're told to stop asking questions. And I remember being in my young twenties and somebody asked me what, what I was worth. And I told them what I made hourly, that that was my worth. And then somebody said, well, what are your dreams? And what would you do with extra money? And I, I had one thing. I just needed new carpet. That, that was it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm in my early 20s. And I completely stopped dreaming and asking questions. How did that happen so quickly from being a child to early 20s? And then you just get on that path of in your 30s and your 40s, doing what we think we're supposed to do instead of asking, what am I supposed to do? And am I happy here? It doesn't matter what, what, what the pay is or what the title is, but do I light up? Do I feel great when, you know, I wake up in the morning that I get to do what I'm supposed to do? It's not about that 18 hours. It's not about grinding. It's not about, you know, working and existing out of guilt. It's about stepping into that light and following those nudges so we can help the bigger picture. We can help more people. I understand that a lot of people are stuck in a day job. Um, It's happened to me uh, more than once, as a matter of fact. But a day job is only going to cost you six, eight, 10 or 12 hours. My first rule is I don't watch TV. I don't read the newspaper. I choose the information intake that comes into my brain to nourish my soul. Yes. So whether it be from like, I read every night late, like the last two hours of my night are usually reading. So for somebody that's stuck in a day job, there's only one way to get unstuck. And that's one small, soft, safe step at a time. So it may be learning about sound bowls. It may be learning about quantum physics. It may be learning about being a pastry chef. I don't care what it is. But every single hour that you invest in you will turn into a breakthrough. It might take a year. It might take two years. It might take three years. But if you stack one brick of self-love on the other, you'll, you'll pretty soon be living in your own castle of self-love. Oh my gosh. I love that visual because I'm a total visual. I learn with analogies, but to stack one brick, I feel very safe with one brick. If you told me I had to go build a castle, I it's way too scary to make that jump. I, I don't know how, but I love, I love that you said we can learn anything with YouTube. I love that Mel Robbins says anything you want. You don't even need, you know, we used to have to go to universities for them. We used to have to pay a lot of money to learn a course. YouTube, I can pretty much learn anything and books are out there. So many books um, and by the way, what, what books do you like to read at night? What kind of books do you read? I am right now very entrenched into the relationship between light and sound. And the reason why is because there's a very yin and yang relationship between the pineal gland and the pituitary gland, uh, the light receptors in the pineal gland and the master gland, which we call the pituitary gland that really manages all the toxic chemicals that we have in our body, like cortisol, adrenaline, all that junk. So 
I know there's something between light and sound, and that's the reason why I'm so blessed to have been uh, drawn to journaling glass and to uh, Susie's uh, science of sound healing, uh, because where I am right now, all of my research is where is the trauma, where is the sadness, where is the fear, where is the shame, where is the guilt hidden inside of our bodies, because when we can find it, we can release it. Yes. So all of my reading is really around light and sound and how and where it's stored in the body because I know a gift that I have to give this world is a very simple recipe on how to get all of that gunk, as Dr. Sue Mortar would call it, out of our field so that we can shine bright because every single human is its, has their own color. The cool thing is there are not two humans on this planet alike. Every single person is born with a unique gift, mission, purpose. And somewhere in between the pineal and the pituitary gland, I think it's stuck there, some of the information. So I'm digging there. That is awesome. I'm excited to see what you find out. I love that you you dive in and you dive in deep to this and you know, not obsess over it, but definitely have that laser beam focus on finding answers and searching. So again, you can give people like me the cliff notes of the understanding, but I love that you dive in like that, that just a student of life and, and take learning seriously and take expanding as a human seriously, because it's just, it's an awesome thing that we can expand. I love that we can, you know, we can read one book that uh, there's so many books when I moved my very first big move, you know, you start selling stuff, you start giving stuff away. And at the very last day I had stacks and stacks of books and I just could not part with them. And I thought they're just books. I can't take these all over. It's because books to me, they're life changing. They're they're who I am. It's like they built, they built a part of me. They built, my name is Autumn Shields and some of those books, it's, it's all part of me. And it was so hard to give those books up because it is life changing. It's growing or, or that thought, or so it is just that one book at a time, that one book, that one show, that one YouTube that you watch, that one thing that will expand your mind. Even if it's 15 minutes a day, maybe it's not hours at a night, but I choose to not listen to the radio in the car. I choose to listen to Ted talks and different podcasts. And because it's always that one idea that, that keeps me going. And I might not be able and, and for you that are listening, you might not be in an environment that is positive, maybe at home or maybe at work, but we can control. I love that you control what goes in your brain. I didn't have a TV for 15 years um, and I loved it, but what goes into our brain really matters. What we're listening to are people complaining on the radio on the way to work. Are people, you know, complaining that you're close to, is everyone complaining at work? You know, you might not be able to completely control that environment, but I do really try to bring in people that are at, that are exploring, learning, creating. And that's why I love listening to different Ted talks. I love, you know, finding those people on podcasts that just love listening to those stories and vibrationally, it brings me up to do, to be a better me. And so I can do better work throughout the day. So I love that you're very protective of that. That's a cool too. Well, the healthiest food you will ever eat is the information you consume. Yes. Love that. And we just, we're not protective of it. It just gets fed to us all day long. Well, we're now in a, an, in, an information society where I think I said this in um, my last talk, but 
the body was only designed to absorb a couple of million sensory points per second. And in today's world, the average human being receives 11 million different pieces of information. So that's almost a factor of 5x more points of information, sensory information that we can actually handle. Crazy. Which means that managing the amount of information that you receive is probably one of the biggest things you can do for your health. Wow. Crazy. I wear headphones literally uh, 80% of the time so that uh, car noise, society noise, train noise, plane noise, it's all drowned out. And usually what, I'm, what I have running in my headphones is very high frequency uh, mantra, uh, inspirational um, music with as little as words as possible and as much frequency as possible just to manage the general frequency of the vibration of my body when I'm being bombarded in airports and all over the place. So like I said to somebody yesterday, I said, please drink more water with lemon. Please eat less and more vegetables. Not that you have to cut anything out of your diet. It's just you got to set up your frequency field to be able to vibrate. And I said, please cut down on the information. Right now, we talk about people being obese because they're overweight. Well, information, obesity is probably the leading cause of unhappiness right now. Wow, absolutely. That's an awesome way to put that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, just watching kids, you know, my son's 21 now and uh, watching the generation underneath him and how much more information is being poured into their heads on those smartphones. Like it's insane to me how much. And it's, and it's herd theory junk. Yes. Herd, if, 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 if there was one thing that they forgot to teach us in school was about the herd theory, H-E-R-D. Yes. Because you have, a, you have a child in China, a child in Australia, and a child in Iceland. And because the child in Iceland says to the child in China, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, the child in Australia and all their friends now think they're fat, ugly, and stupid because one person in Iceland said it. Yes. The speed at which the herd now is herded into corners by people that are influencing the herd is absolutely nuts. That's the reason why I control the information that goes in and I check the nutritional value of the information I eat. Yes, absolutely. You've just saw some of the little sprinkles of the next TED I'm working on, I think. I can't wait. <laughs> the information right now has come to a level of toxicity that I've never, ever witnessed before. Yeah, I, I just I get just watching the kids. I get bomb, bombarded. I just cannot believe what is so. It's so fast now. You we just have to seek information, and now it's just pouring and pouring and pouring. Mm -hmm. So, in conclusion, um, with all of speaking of information and what you're stepping into with your next TED talk, with the journey that you've been on, if you could give one piece of advice to your 20 year old self, what would that advice be now that what you know now? Sell whatever I can sell in my worldly belongings 
and invest in a breathing retreat, breathing courses, and breathing techniques. That is, everybody laughs when they talk about breathing because everybody takes it's it for so, granted until so you plug their nose. Yes, seems so simple, like really breathing, like that's all the advice is just to breathe, really. I think you dive, is that true? You dive, right? I have, yes. When I started diving, my diving instructor looked at me and goes, we really need to get you on a breathing course. And I go, why? And the lady looks at me, she goes, because you emptied your tank 60% faster than the entire group. I said, well, I'm a little bit nervous about this. He goes, yes. That, she said, yes, that's why you have to learn to breathe. Breathing is the, is the apex of being able to listen to yourself. It's the apex of being able to clean out the cortisol that makes you yell at your kids when you actually want to just hug them and cry and say, you know something, you're feeling exactly the way I was feeling when I was your age and I'm as sad as you are right now. But because we can't hear that, we yell at them and we try to give them lessons that are all malarkey. Yes. When we learn to breathe and learning to breathe has nothing to do with the nose. It's going to breathing classes and learning to exercise the muscles that we don't know we even have that once these muscles are formed, like I was doing a breathing class the other day and I came out of there and my throat was killing me. And the instructor looked at me and goes, it's normal. You've never moved that muscle before. And I go, Oh yeah, that's true. Isn't that so crazy breathing that is about building muscle tone yes. to the places that move the nose, that move the throat, that move the lungs, that move the, uh, the thoracic cage, that move the stomach. It's a science that needs to be developed because once you learn to breathe, your entire perspective on this planet changes. Well, and breathing seems so simple, but I remember going to the doctor um, several years ago before I moved to Maui. And she told me, I mean, through science that I was only using 60% of my lung capacity. She's like, you're not breathing. Like when was the last time you actually just took a deep breath, like all the way. And I remember doing it. And I remember actually feeling like I was going to lose control. Like if I, if I just took that deep breath, all that fear that I was feeling that I had, that I had pushed down all of the, everything that I had pushed down. If I took a deep breath, I was going to completely shatter. And I remember that feeling sitting in that doctor's office. Luckily, she's an amazing doctor. She's a naturopath, but she, she just said, Autumn, you're going to have, it's affecting your health. It's affecting your entire body because you're not breathing. She said, you've, you've learned to take such shallow breaths. And I think I might've actually wrote about this um, slightly in my book, but I remember saying, I can't, I can't take a deep breath because I actually felt like the mask that I was wearing at the time of being okay was going to fall off and I was just going to crumble. And, and it took me so long. It took me to move to the most isolated culture on earth. You know, it took my body to ground on Maui to actually learn to take a breath, let alone like more than one breath, deep breaths and learn how to sit with my breath and learn how to breathe. I, I remember I was going to fall apart just by breathing. I'm like, how can that be so tied together? Um, they're actually inseparable. Yes, inseparable. Maybe the last thing that I would like to leave the, the audience with is as you learn to breathe, 
try to remember the three things you used to do as a kid or whenever that made you the happiest. They'll probably not be part of your daily routine now or part of your career or part of your family or your normal uh, activities. But if you can try to remember them and write them down and then budget a couple of minutes a week. I just said a couple of minutes a week. Uh, I know a lady in her 40s right now that uh, her greatest passion as a kid was coloring uh, mandalas. And all of a sudden, in a store, out of nowhere, she came across a, a book of mandalas to color. And all of a sudden, she started coloring mandalas. And for those people that know, mandalas are actually very scientifically spiritual things. And as she started to focus and color and focus and color, she started getting all of these messages, all of these waves of energy, all of these uh, very clear visions. And actually doing what she loved to do as a kid became the instrument to getting her on a pretty amazing life's path. So it doesn't take hours, it doesn't take thousands of dollars, but what it takes is just to remember those couple of little things that you enjoyed the most and just run away a couple of minutes a week or whatever and try to do those things while you learn to breathe. And by marrying up pleasure and breath, uh, you find bliss. What a great exercise. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that exercise. My pleasure. And thank you so much for your time. I know you're extremely busy and you spend so much time up in the air. So it's nice to catch you actually grounded today. And thank you so much for spending your time, your knowledge, your wisdom, your life experience. I will, um, for those of you that would like to connect or follow Earl, I will post his Facebook. Um, his Instagram is awesome, full of inspiration. Of course, his LinkedIn professionally. Um, but uh, And I will, of course, post the two TED Talks so people can find those. And if you want to dive deeper into really understanding why um, we experience fear, how to identify it, what to do with it to really, you know, it, all of us feel fear at some level, I think, and some of us more than others. But I do believe that it's, it can be a way that really holds us back from living our life fully alive. And so thank you for that gift of that talk to the world. And um, just thank you for being you. I was very honored to be here today and um, your questions really made me think. So I'm going to go out for a walk and breathe and just try to reassemble all of the awesome nudges you just gave me. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm sure our pals will cross again soon. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. And remember, good friends don't keep great messages to themselves. So keep the ripples moving and share this episode with your friends. Also, wherever you listen to podcasts, please take a moment to review or download this episode. Also, I would love to connect with you. Regardless of where you're at on your journey, maybe you're feeling like you can't set sail or maybe you're out there rocking the open seas. Find me at autumnshields.com or on social and say hello. Also, if you would like a complimentary coaching sesh, all you have to do is click on Let's Connect and let me know three things you would like to get out of the conversation and we will make it happen. So make today 
the day you decide to live your life alive and leave room for the unimaginable. So until next time, keep following the nudges.